0: Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of Pre-In Real Life. I'm here in Lower East Side, Manhattan, sitting on a balcony. Sunday. It's beautiful out. There's a little bit of wind, but it's breezy and cool. This episode is my first three-part episode. So there are three installments, and there was barely anything i could edit out of it cuz i felt like all of it was important after taking 2020 and isolating myself and really thinking only about myself in relation to the world and society i kind of cut everybody off you know i didn't really talk to people very much and even when i did talk to people i wasn't really sharing my opinions and perspectives on things I had spent the entire 2019 searching for my voice, and that's why we started this podcast. And then in lockdown, I respected my time, and I gave myself that time. The thing is, everyone really expected that I was going to continue to churn out work and churn out episodes and be consistently creative and it's not that I wasn't doing anything in 2020 I was doing a whole lot but I wasn't doing anything for anyone else I was doing it in relation to myself so if I was doing engaging in an activity and it wasn't going to benefit me in any way shape or form then I wasn't going to feed into it because i was learning how to respect my own self my own time and my own voice and it takes a lot to be able to do that because you have to be prepared to lose people and you have to be prepared to even lose yourself a little bit but i'd already been lost that's why the podcast started i really do believe in divine timing now after losing my dad and seeing how that happened and understanding that some things really are defined and there is no control and when the time isn't right, the time really isn't right. And I'm usually hesitant about releasing every episode. Mainly because I'm a shy person. Like people think I'm not shy because I'm always on stage or in front of a camera. But I'm very shy with my own self and perspectives and sharing my ideas and my opinions and my stories but you guys were there for me and you guys were very encouraging and inviting me to continuously share with you and I cannot thank you enough for that kind of encouragement even though I recorded all the episodes I really babysat them I kept saying later later It wasn't even me that was saying later. There was something in my mind that was saying later. And my mind is always screaming, now. Now. Do it now. But I was really, really hesitant with every episode. And I think it's basically because I was being so protective of myself, right? And... Typically, me being the complex creature that I am, it's always for a different reason why I'm hesitating or unwilling to share, you know? It's mostly situationally based, and I was thinking to myself, like, why is it that I don't want to share this podcast yet? Like, why am I holding back? Why am I holding back? And I'm waiting... And these past few years taught me how to be patient with myself. It was really nice just keeping the episodes. It was really, really nice. Frankly, I needed this episode for myself after 2020. I think if I had listened to this episode... (sighs) There's a lot of noise. I think if I had listened to this episode in 2019, I wouldn't have appreciated myself as much as I do right now which is the whole point of the podcast creating something for me to respect my own voice my own intuition and uncover more about myself if you listen to the episode with kuhoki you hear her flip the script on me and start asking me questions and diving into my personal life and my perspectives on my creative process my perspective on religion and god and the universe and romance and dating well Sheru did the same thing in this episode I'm talking to Sheru Aurora who's a writer director extraordinary person to be around because he's so uplifting and so encouraging Ooh, someone's going for a ride I can't see them Now that that's done, Cheru Aurora is an actor, director. His films have been showcased at Cannes and at the Palm Springs Film Festivals. He needs to make sure that I mention this. If he had to give you one bit of advice, adopt, don't shop. And he means with dogs, adopt, don't shop. Now, that's a little bit of a background on Sheru. We met on set and he was yelling at me for giggling on set the entire time, but he was funny. He was funny. Um, sitting in conversation with Sheru is nice because he just allows everything to flow. We touch on so many topics, and it still contributes to our creative process. He asks me certain questions about my personal life, and that really the way i vocalized myself and the way i vocalized my process and how i think i mean if i had listened to this episode in 2019 when i recorded it i would have taken myself for granted i would have just taken the entire thing for granted and then after taking 2020 and sitting back and not engaging with many people and kind of taking life as it comes day by day now i'm sitting here like when i listen to this episode i'm just like damn girl <laughs> like you are out here and you're doing a great job like what was all this anxiety about what was all this frustration about like why didn't you like yourself like i listened to this episode and i seriously guys i fell in love with myself like I don't even know. I, I don't even know. I'm quirky. I'm funny. I'm in the zone. Uh, I'm eloquent. I don't know if Cheru brought it out of me. Maybe, maybe it could be Sheru is the talent master, and he's like, let's make this girl shine. Because, I mean, that's what he does when he films. That's what he does when he takes pictures. I think Cheru's real talent is actually highlighting the amazingness of what he sees. In this three-part episode, you hear Sheru encouraging you to be your best self. Sheru's talent, I believe, is actually highlighting the amazingness that he sees around him. And I feel like that's what he did in this episode. And then in this three-part episode, you hear him dive into each topic and embrace every moment and we literally are just living in the moment and having fun with this conversation i don't know what you're gonna learn really i don't know what you're gonna learn but i'm gonna tell you divine timing is real respect your voice respect yourself have fun live in the moment listen to the episode and have fun Sheru is a great guy And you have so much to learn from him just from speaking. And guys, like, I like myself in this episode. I'm saying it like this giggly little girl. I really like myself in this episode. Um, I hope you like me too. Well, I guess you do if you're listening and still listening, right? I guess you like me too. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. And I appreciate your patience with me. And here's to some good listening. It's just a party animal. <laughs> I recorded that.
1: Oh, wonderful. <laughs> don't tell her parents that I don't want to get in trouble.
0: <laughs> hey there, guys. Today, I'm here with my dear friend. Sheru. And we are going to get talking about the creative process. We are sitting in his apartment in Mineola, Long Island. It's very cold outside. I think it's the first wintry day of the season. It's about 48
1: degrees, 4 degrees Celsius. Nice. For all Uh, your international fans. I know. I, I, I get a
0: lot of them. I get a lot of them. So that's why we're indoors. We have our very, very adorable friend taking a nap behind us. Her name is Annie. And what kind of dog is Shane?
1: Well, the shelter told me she was a pit lab. Mm-hmm. But she's got that, you know, that curly tail that Akitas have. Mm. So I think she's pit Labrador Akita. Mm. I also think they add the word lab behind every pit.
0: Just to make them more marketable? That's
1: it. <laughs> Everyone's afraid.
0: We got, you, you got to market yourself, you know? Yep, yep. I love pits. Though they're great dogs.
1: Adopt, don't shop. Hashtag.
0: Yes, that, that's my
1: PSA for today.
0: I appreciate it. I like animals. She's taking a nap. She's gonna snore. You're gonna hear it. <laughs> I've had some amazing chai and very. They can't see you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm used to that. What am I gonna tell you? It's just what you expect.
0: Why are you used to that? Tell our friends what you do. Oh,
1: such a tough. Question. I hate that question.
0: I know, but you have it's, to do it, right? I hate
1: that question.
0: Like, what do you do? You can, you know what? You can just tell me what you do. You don't have to tell me what you do, quote unquote. See, they can't see you, right? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm an actor director.
0: How'd you get started?
1: <clears throat> I mean, from the beginning, I went to uh, I went to the new school for um, screenwriting and directing. Even getting to that point was different. Like it was something I knew off the bat.
0: It was something you knew off. The
1: line? No, it wasn't. It okay. really wasn't. I, I wasn't. I wasn't given as much direction when I was younger as I thought I should have. <laughs> you know, I just did what I wanted to do and messed around a lot and it was fun. I was one of those guys. But then, um, I guess I started in psychology at St. John's.
0: Oh, you went to St. John's? Mm-hmm. How long did you stay there?
1: One semester.
0: I was there. So I'm at, so I'm at <laughs> for two semesters, and I was just like, I "Hated it." Bye, guys. Hi, hi. I had purple hair while I was there. Wow. So, can you imagine how like I was how that felt for me? I was like purple hair, skinny jeans, and like Converse <clears throat> high tops with Those like a awesome. rain, rainbow shoelaces. And then I had I had like an array of Converses. I had like ones with like sketch. Such a little dweeb, my purple fucking hair.
1: (laughs) Oh, please. I was totally clean At one point, I bleached my my strap down here. I was just
0: about to tell you, for like two weeks of my life and the first semester at St. John's, I decided I wanted to be rogue from X-Men. From X-Men.
1: Like for Halloween or for life? No,
0: for like just like I was like, (laughs) I'm going to be rogue. Oh. And I like dyed bits of my hair white because like I was going off like... (laughs) Comic book. My brain is going really, really fast.
1: You're still drinking the coffee. Yes. That's good. Uh -uh.
0: So, Sheru actually met me, and I still hadn't had anything to eat, but I was bouncing off the walls. So, I've had something to eat, and I had coffee, and I had chai. I worked out today.
1: <laughs> yeah, I alive.
0: like lived life. So I right now, like <laughs> so right now, you guys are experiencing me at like a max energy. Like a max energy. There may be a point where I might have to do like some laps.
1: I was gonna say, I you know my apartment could use some sweeping.
0: There's I didn't come, some here, some to I didn't you come here to clean. i to. here you, you want to, you want some it. energy. Out. <laughs> but um, I so I thought I was rogue, and I just like dyed strands of my hair like white. And I was just like walking around with like a trench coat and boots and all black and like
1: I did, moody. I did my goatee white in high school. Cause I was like, that's we dip free and you saw me in the bathroom with bleaching my goatee and then I mean who would have thought. How'd it go
0: though? How'd it go? I like, mean I
1: thought it was cool and Do you have whatever. pictures? Of no, this? God no. You don't even need it now. Look at me. It's, it's, I have no
0: pictures of me being gro- broke. no,
1: my, my white hair is permanent now, so I don't have to bleach anything. But I look back at it now and I'm like, it definitely looked like somebody jizzed on my face. <laughs> And I didn't even think of it. I just walked around with a splooge on my chin. <laughs> Terrible. But I went to St. John's. I was there for a little while. This was pre cussing before the nose piercing. And I hated it. I just hated being there. I wasn't ready for college. You know, like, you go to college because we're Daisy. You know, you got to go to college after high school. That's what they tell you to do. And so I got into, like, that place. I was like, oh, cool, I'm not stupid. I'm, right I'm going to go to college. After a semester, I was just dumb. I moved to Florida <clears throat> I lived in Fort Lauderdale I, I told my mom that I got into FAU I never even got in I told her I got in so I could hop in the car and drive out to Florida while I was down there I was managing a gym uh, loved it just loved it I loved Florida
0: how long were you in Florida?
1: <clears throat> less than a year okay less than a year and I realized what I wanted to do I was just I, just I was in the shower best ideas come when you're naked or driving Right off the bed so I was in the shower and I had this great idea for a story And it was just so good that I had to write it down, as I wrote down, like, what we now know as the beat sheet. So it's like, before you write a script, you have to write the major plot points of Mm -hmm. a story so you know when to get to the next interval of conflict. So we did that, and then, like, from there, I was like, I really want to develop this. So I went and got that book, Screenwriting for Dummies, which, if any of you listening want to write screenplay, that is a really good book to get started and teach yourself.
0: I really love for dummies it helped it's me through really college good. yeah it was
1: real I was really impressed
0: um, one professor in college recommended it to me and it was actually my organic chemistry professor he was like, listen I'm not gonna lie to you guys this actually works yeah organic chemistry yeah. for dummies you will pass this class and I did I also used YouTube <laughs> All right. Whenever it, I want to explore something, I start with For Dummies. It's
1: smart. And like today, everyone just goes on YouTube, but like, pick up the book. It it's, really it's, works. Put Caesar on your eyes. Screenwriting yeah, for yeah, Screenplay for dummies? Just screenwriting. Okay. So I got, that, I got that book. I had my script, and I just, I wasn't planning on doing it with it, but I just loved it. And I just realized, I want to be a filmmaker. So at the time, I was doing stand up comedy, you know, as a hobby, and that was a lot of fun. So it all just kind of made sense. I moved back to New York. I was like, if I'm going to do this, let's go back home. And did what I had to do and got into Parsons New School. Did a dual major there, screenwriting and directing. Them both.
0: You know, when you ask people, oh, what are you studying? Oh, directing. I'm sure you've gotten funny looks when you mm-hmm. were in school. Or tell us about how people reacted to you when you would talk about being in college for well, art. What, what, The whole journey, really. Yeah, all
1: right. Um, well, first and foremost, I'll say off the, off the bat, you don't. College isn't for everybody. I 100% believe that. It's not Anyone can benefit from it, but it's not for everybody. There's nothing wrong with going to college. I mean, it's expensive. Can I
0: curse here? Yeah, we can. Okay. You can curse and be a highly functioning person. Okay,
1: I'll keep it to a minimum for the sake of but <laughs> the thirteen-year-olds. Um, it, it's yes for the are well, twelve, but thirteen are having sex now. Fucking crazy.
0: I actually have 13-year-olds that listen. No, you don't go have sex at 13. (laughs) Right. I was like,
1: don't. Yeah, don't be, don't know. Let's move past this.
0: Okay, let's continue.
1: So um, I I think it helps everybody. I really, really 100% do. It doesn't matter what you want to study, whether it be art or, or some kind of other trade or medicine or business. It helps everybody, but it's not for everyone.
0: How does it help everyone? But it's not for everyone. Okay. What do you mean when
1: you say that? So what I mean by that is I mean, it's obvious you're you're in an environment where everyone is studying the same thing as you and you're hours a day, hours a week, you're you're focused on one thing. And the biggest problem most people have is the discipline to sit there and focus on something. Now, if you wanna be Something like that requires a certification or a license, like you want to be a doctor, or you want to be a lawyer, something that like you cannot do without the license and obviously you need school. Mm-hmm. But if it's a matter of like you want to be a carpenter or you want to be um, you know a painter, an artist, uh, a musician, do you need to go to school for it? No of course not. You don't because you can do those things without the license or certification. But if you're not, and you have to be honest with yourself, which is hard to do at 17, 18, 19 years old, but if you're not, Going to spend the time it takes to master something on your own free time. Don't fool yourself. And that's something a lot of adults don't teach their kids or any other kid. I don't
0: feel like people emphasize that. No, I
1: mean when I was an undergrad, I'll be honest. My my professors in film school they didn't stress the hard facts, and that is ninety percent of the kids in this school aren't going to get a job. They're never going to pursue filmmaking. They'll never sell a script. Um, <clears throat> they will get scared. They'll get pushed out. They'll give up fast. And, and they'll never make any money. And that's just a fact. But I think if, you, if they had told us that, and I was, just, I was fortunate to have a very supportive family, but if, if they had told us all that from the first year, maybe 50% of them would have left and said, okay, I, just, I don't want to be broke. And I want a job. And I need a stable nine-to-five. I need that, that organization. You know, and, and which is normal, like we're creatures of habit. We thrive and succeed off of a routine. If they told us that from the beginning, maybe so many people wouldn't have wasted four years and thousands of dollars and time and your your youthful energy, which is very different from adult energy. My energy now is very different from my energy when I was 20. Very fucking different, you know? I appreciate them both, but they're different. Um, so it's not for everyone. I needed it as a kid. Definitely, I'm glad I went to film school because I would not have done it on my own. But I did stand-up. I got booed once. I did it for two years. and I was very good. Didn't go to school for that because I really wanted to do it. This was also before YouTube, and before, before Facebook, social media. Different generation. Sorry, kids. I'm old.
0: <laughs> He's not that old. He's just exaggerating. <laughs> here.
1: I don't know. I got the old roles.
0: <clears throat> no, you're not. You're not. You're actually younger than a lot of people I eh? hang with,
1: oh, well, one of them soul. being
0: my mom, who's 73, <laughs> 73 <laughs> actively days. chilling. Yeah. So my mom was, and I were watching, we watched the news together in the morning, and um, I don't like the same news that she likes, right? Like, I like New York One news, you let me know what's up real quick. She
1: likes ZTV
0: and you know, Justin she, News. <laughs> no, 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 no. She, my mom is like, she only keeps up with Daisy things just so that she's up to date. Right. But she's not, like, fully immersed in it. Right. Um, mainly because a lot of these things make you panic, and my mom has so much anxiety that we were like, Mom, you need to stop watching this. Like, it's only making your anxiety worse. And now she's 73, so she has old people issues. So she's developed, um, like, 20% hearing loss, which is standard for her yeah. age. Yeah. Um, but that exacerbates her something called tinnitus, and that's,
1: that's the hearing, right? The, the high
0: it's pitched, it's like a it's a look,
1: high frequency buzzing.
0: But yeah, mm-hmm. and what when you actually speak to someone <coughs> like an ENT about it, they will say a lot of it is mental. That buzzing is mental. Tinnitus is actually mental. But if you can actually hear properly, your mind is focused on what you're hearing, and less in itself. So the tinnitus can go away. You don't actually have to live with that. So doctors are out there telling you the real shit, but you, nobody's really listening to them. So the doctor well, told my the tenor, mom.
1: Because
0: can't hear. So my mom was. Uh, the doctors told her that she needs to lay off like all these high tension things, and she should take a drink every night. You know, really relax well, to, to, to improve her hearing.
1: Smoke a blunt,
0: yeah, I wish she would, but oh, so one time. Oh no. <laughs> She doesn't know this to this day, so if any of you ever meet my mother, you cannot tell her, nor can you tell my brother, I believe my brother put edibles in the fridge. This is back in the day back in the day I was in college, and he was like thirty two. It was like before he got married, so he was probably he was like thirty. so he's really young and he, and there were cookies. And he put them in the fridge. But, like, I'm not one of those people that when you bring shit and you put it in the fridge, I'm not just gonna help myself to it. Like, right, right, ask, right,
1: right, right. My that? mom, <clears throat> of course not,
0: is the worst. Like, you will bring something home and you have your eye on it and you want it real bad. You better eat that shit because she will eat it. If she's the first person to see it that day. Did she eat the edible? She. <laughs> Mom ate an edible. I think she probably ate two, and she was she was sick. She was quote unquote sick for two days.
1: Did she think she had like food poisoning?
0: She thought something is wrong. Wow. Something is wrong. My brain doesn't feel right. She was like in bed. It was great. So I didn't know that they were edibles. I just didn't touch it. Right. And uh,
1: what was like a brownie or a
0: cookie? Or? It was cookies, it was yeah. chocolate chip cookies. Of course, it was. So I didn't, I was just like, I don't want it, I'm not gonna eat this. And my mom, being the person that she is, she ate it. And when I saw her reaction, I was like, Well, what'd you eat, mom? They and eat she that. was like, The cookies, and I was like, Oh, mommy, edible." <laughs>
1: You didn't never, never told no. her. Right? I never told her. No, she
0: doesn't know to this day. Yeah, um, I haven't told my brother that I knew. All I said was, right, right. That we didn't talk about it. It wasn't something we talked about. I assumed that it was edibles based off of how my mom was we describing. That. Right? right. So when she told me how she felt, I was like, oh, so when she was complaining to my brother, she was complaining, like, oh, I feel like this. What should I take for that? And he was like, huh, what did she eat? Like, what's going on? He didn't put the pieces together. And then I said, The only thing that she's eaten that's any different from anything else is the cookies that you brought.
1: To which he said nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Nobody said. Okay. Shit. We all just a silent (laughs) understanding. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) And we all just moved on from that day. (laughs) So no, I wouldn't advise that my mom does any sort of THC because it probably exacerbates her anxiety. Hypothetically, but we've put her on CBD. Oh, you have. Yeah, we've put her, and and that makes her really sleepy. Gotcha. So we'll knock her out for, like, two days. Huh. So I try to, like, regulate. Like, maybe do a drop yeah. at once a day. And it's helping. She does a glass of wine at night. And we told her to avoid all of these, like, sensationalized television. Don't watch. One thing I can't break out of her is, like, Snapped. And, like, these lifetime murder shows. Oh, okay. I was like, what
1: Snapped?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. My 2019... Um, Resolution was to stop watching so much murder shit.
1: Yeah, but well, I mean, it's everywhere. And I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty good.
0: I love it. I'm obsessed with I murder think the shit. Week
1: bef- the week before Halloween like came, it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. On one of the channels, like, I don't know, True TV, or whatever, they had a different hour long documentary or two hours per serial killer. Yeah. It was like Ted Bundy on one and then Jeffrey Dahmer on the other. I love that stuff
0: I was obsessed with murder for most of my life
1: I saw, of course, Oh, that's good, that's good Well, at least I, we have it on
0: record I know awesome. that. I'm aware I'm of that I'm so glad you know where I live now <laughs> Awesome But I'm just not going to do it, because I'm like, that's so it's much work So much work So much energy, I'd much rather just kill you and just be like, listen, I they pissed me off
1: well, I mean, if you weren't a vegan, that's so You can eat the evidence, and that's, that's just cooking.
0: You know, I thought about that I'm after glad. watching Hannibal. I was like.
1: This interview took a very sharp <laughs> left turn very early. But we
0: do like scary movies. We did have a very long conversation about
1: that. Oh, yeah, I love scary movies. It's good time. Real good time. I, I try and see as many of them in theater because you want the heightened effect of a scary movie. Like, I love The Joker. It's so
0: good. I, I still need to watch so it. so
1: good. But you don't need to be in theater to watch it, not mm-hmm. to take anything away from the producers and the directors, blah, 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 they make money off it. No,
0: but I completely but really, understand. You
1: know, really speaking. But a good scary movie in the theater. I saw Hereditary last year. Was it was like the movie of the year. hmm
0: Whoa. So okay, good. what is it about... Because everybody thinks I'm such a weirdo because I love scary movies. That's like, I what actually I actually you're
1: a weirdo, love it's for other things. But go on.
0: I love murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, what... What is it that you like about scary movies? It's very interesting hearing that from, like, someone who has a classical education on film. What is it about scary
1: movies? It, it's the way you feel. I mean, <clears throat> it hits a nerve that you don't normally get hit on, hit on or doesn't normally get hit every day. It's like on a roller coaster. Some people like that adrenaline. How many days a week do you experience the kind of rush of a roller coaster? Never. So it's the same thing as movie theater. I'm mean, like, yeah, it scares you, makes you uncomfortable. And different different types of directors have a very different nerve, right? Like, like an Eli Roth movie is so different from watching a Rob Zombie movie, which is so different from watching like a uh, James Wan movie. Mm-hmm. But they're also good, mm-hmm. and it's like a different tune. But you know, it's fake. Like it's a movie. So relax. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you'd be more afraid of getting shot up in the theater than anything else. She, yep. <laughs> sorry but um, this is where America's at today. This is where it's at, my dear. But um, but yeah, that's why. Because I mean, it's raw emotion, man. You should be able to feel everything. I especially like, knowing that in your safety of, of of imagination.
0: I like <clears throat> horror movies because of the production quality, even if it's really, really bad. Like campy. Even yep. Even if like Evil Dead, I love it's it. So good. It's love so it. good. <laughs> I love um, the Hellraiser series. Mm-hmm. I mean, what they were doing for 1984? Like, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. that's so much work. That's so much time. That's so much energy. Imagine you have to actually be obsessed mm-hmm. with the production of that movie to create these things, like to create these worlds, to come up with the blood's going to squirt in that direction yep. at this time. And
1: like, we're not unusual for this because it's actually the. The quickest way to get a movie distributed for an independent filmmaker, so any any, any indie filmmakers out there, the quickest way to get yourself a signed deal is to make a horror film. Because there are more horror films out being watched than anything else. We're we're gross. We're gross pieces.
0: Why do people always make me feel like I'm weird? Because I like horror movies all the time. And I'm like... It's good though it's, it's, so it's a good, good. time yeah.
1: It's a real good time
0: I don't feel much but while I watch it so I never watch them alone no I've tried to like I've really actively tried to watch scary movies alone and I can't I just like so I don't feel scared while I watch it because I'm usually with someone else and if I'm alone when I get that like inkling of being scared I like just turn around and go to sleep.
1: Really? <laughs> But you're... That's the point. I know. going to be scared. I know. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to trump your weird. Ready? Sometimes, a couple times a year maybe, I don't know, usually during Halloween season, mm-hmm. I pick some really good one, get nice and lit, and just sit there and stare. I want to be scared.
0: My sister and I had a Halloween tradition when we like lived together. Now she's married and yeah. doing her thing. Yeah. Um, and sad that her husband hates horror movies. But um, we would watch a scary movie every day from the first of October to the thirty first of October, and it was a good day, right?
1: Remember Channel Eleven?
0: No, no, no. This is I've had Netflix for ever e- for forever. forever since like high school when they were like delivering. But you us
1: never watch movies now. What? Like you never watched movies. I'm always asking you, you've seen this, you seen this, Have you seen this? And you're
0: like <laughs> Well that's because I used to watch um, movies with my family. T V time is with my family. That's cute. And for me as a person I don't need that much television. <clears throat> I schedule like about twenty minutes to half an hour watching TV. Um, it takes me about a week to watch a movie. Unless it's really good. It's really, really good. When I do choose to watch movies by myself, it's usually really campy um, horror movies. Ah, you know which one I really love watching? Cabin in the Woods.
1: I like that one. That was really good. That was very inventive. So good. Very inventive. So
0: good. When all of, like, the villains come yeah, out yeah, 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 at the yeah. end, like, oh, it's so good. So I watch that regularly. It's very. Do you really? Yeah. I watch. I actually, and then they just, like, light up and smoke and watch the end of the Yeah, world. yeah, yeah.
1: I actually watched the new Evil Dead relatively regularly.
0: That's a really good one. It
1: was like yeah. every sh- like shit for views. I think you're just comparing it to the first, but like it's different. It was a different style of movie, and I liked
0: it. It's not supposed to be realistic. It's not. Go have fun, enjoy the experience. It's part of the reason why I like Bollywood. Right. So I love Bollywood movies you do. When they're cheesy Especially when they're cheesy Like my favorite Bollywood movie And I say this all the time And everyone's like Really? That movie? Hum Hamsat Sathe?
1: That's holy But a goodie
0: It's so good It's so cheesy what's, what's your take on Bollywood movies?
1: I mean I wish I could tell you that I, I, I have an honorable take But I don't I watch them regularly enough um, I think I stopped watching stopped following Bollywood Back when Shadow Khan was still peaking, all right. Peak. I
0: don't follow Bollywood, yeah. I, just, I don't really follow it.
1: I think the last time I watched a couple of good, I, I, watched, I watched I think it's called Bajida Mastani,
0: mm-hmm.
1: had Priyanka Chopra and Deepika in the same movie. That was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I saw that twice in theater, that's how much I liked it. But mm-hmm. honestly, it was because
0: I saw it twice in theater,
1: too. Yeah, I mean, cinema. I'll just, tell you why. The cinematography saw it was so gorgeous, and the, the two of them together were so gorgeous, and 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 I mean, it's a very, very... I know it's a, supposed to be a true story, right? Like, based on the story It's a dramatized yeah. true story. I mean, sexist is fuck, but... But at the end of the day, what in history isn't
0: I was just about to say. But,
1: but the, the... I mean, the, the angles and the color and the constant symmetry, and it was just it was so gorgeous, as opposed to, like, what a lot of Bollywood movies are cliched, you know, like, to, to look like. Um, you know, like... They're all shot in like London now or New Zealand. Like I want to see India. I'm gonna go watch an Indian movie to go see India. Like
0: my same same thing. In. Like I watch Indian movies. Yeah. To feel Indian. Yeah.
1: And don't get me wrong. To say that about it, like now, it's been like that forever. Like forever.
0: Lamhe. You know what I mean? Like,
1: and I'm like my favorite movie growing up was Shankar. You know, like i Da Bhaji. Not a Not will mm. people know that, but it was basically the Indian Punisher. And, and even that was was just, it's not really what India is about. But in essence, it could be. Like, there's a lot of corruption and movie plays a part, you know? I don't know. There's all just... I know Amar Khan is doing a lot of big things by making movies that are a little more controversial. I did watch um, Dungle. So that was really good. I loved that one. It was very I, good.
0: I, I, that's a regular in my family. Yeah. Um, so my family watches Bollywood movies. We yeah. watch them every Sunday that's together. And um, good for you. We watch Dungle together pretty regularly.
1: (laughs) Oh, the same ones, (laughs) like if we
0: can't find a a new one to watch. Because now we used to watch Bollywood movies because it's family friendly Mm -hmm. and everyone can sit and enjoy. But um, nowadays, with stuff happening in there, it's like oh, yeah. So, like, even though a movie will look good. Is there possibly gonna be a, like a out scene or a sex scene? I think and it's all we,
1: weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, that's why I got my own place.
0: <laughs> Well, it's family time. Of course, you know? of course. Um, but we did watch Game of Thrones together as a family. Whoa. Right? Right? But it was so good. And we all would watch it individually. And then we would all talk about it. Oh. Then we were like, well, why don't we just watch it together? Us as siblings didn't have a problem watching it together. Get the room. Mom was like, "I love this show, but why are they so disgusting?" And she would cover her eyes. Really? <laughs> or she'd like, she'd want to like leave, like leave the room. Yeah, keep but busy. she can't because she's like, every time I leave the room, I miss something important. So now she just covers her eyes so that she can not Yeah, it's
1: pretty. It's pretty heavy, like Greek.
0: My mom, oh my god, right? Heavy. Reek. Ah. His character development was so good.
1: As an actor, I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. Right? Like, I, I really liked how he played both
0: roles. So well. And, and
1: so just I, just to re- retort back really quick so that no one thinks I hate Bollywood, they've come a long way. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of great movies that, that don't, they don't sell the movie strictly based on how much, the, how much money the songs will bring in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a lot of really beautiful work being done in Bollywood. Um, I just find that they're more recent and unfortunately you still have um, a lot of Bollywood still following mainstream Hollywood like Hollywood sets the bar in entertainment right and that's just how it's always been despite film starting in Russia and Germany and all those great you know um, like movements in, in film history um, Hollywood sets the bar you know um, so everyone tries to be like that because it makes them all the money and that's what you know that's what everything's about right It's business and there was just a period in Bollywood's history where every movie was a love story, and every movie would, would. The guys were always wearing Tommy Hilfiger jackets, and and you know, and and like the the tight jeans with tears in the front.
0: Late nineties, early two yeah. thousands. There
1: you go. And then a movie like like DDLJ gets thrown in the mix, which can play on both. They're they're westernized and modernized, but but the story is about the Hindustani culture of marriage and that was cool um, you know and then Shadow Converly really, and, and you know the whole that whole family of filmmakers kind of came together and, and started pushing that angle more which is, it was really nice um, same goes for Hollywood like I haven't seen a single Avengers
0: I haven't seen any of the Marvel I movies. don't watch any of them I talk so I talk extensively about my opinion on um, superhero movies these days because it's like I say superhero movies are like the Las Vegas of movies.
1: Yeah, that's a funny (laughs) way to
0: put it. And then I went on and on about how I'm never going to go to Las Vegas and all of that. Right. And then... I love Vegas. Two weeks later, I basically get a call to go to Vegas. (laughs) And then then I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to Vegas after I talked so much smack.
1: (laughs) Right. And those movies are actually very good. Like, I know they're very good. It's just... How many? How many of those are pumped in your face? Is like, that
0: what it is for you? Is if it's like too much or over um, commercialized? That's what you don't like about it? it.
1: It's not. It's not that like it shouldn't be in your face. I mean, like marketing is marketing, and if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. It's just you know, oftentimes it's it's. Um, how many superhero movies are there? Like I'm getting a headache. Like there's the Avengers, and then there's every Avenger has their own four movies, and you got to watch all of them to understand the proper storyline. And then every other year is another superhero movie, and it's like don't, it's like it's like it's like remakes and reboots. It's like all right, man. Like let it sleep, let it go it's called a cult it's just too much it's a cult (laughs) And, and there's so many great movies out there that just you don't the average American sees less than 10 movies in theater the average American sees less than 10 movies in theater and or sorry I read in like one of the magazines that you know and and that means that I counted one day 16 different superheroes movies just to tie into the one you know group one that means, like, realistically, your entire theater time is spent just trying to keep up with one big story, and I think, you know, friends of mine who are big on Star Wars would would understand what I'm talking about. It's like it's just there's so much, so many, so much, so many, so much, so many. I
0: love Star movies. Wars.
1: And good, I I'm exhausted by also the dependency on CGI. Now Star Wars, you know, getting back to mm-hmm. commercialized movies, mm-hmm. you know, just. Well, why not take a risk and make a movie that has no CGI and no major film score and no major leads and names and watch some of those mm-hmm. that where where it's this story I think it's called like film preservation
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know traditional filmmaking and and I don't know I just that's
0: what it. I'm really I into it. I just
1: prefer it. it sounds like a very pompous thing to say but I just prefer it. a good story told well
0: So that's what I was getting to when I was like, I watch scary movies, like campy horror movies that don't actually hit my emotion, but the production quality is really good. And I watch very independent movies. Like, you don't know anybody in it. The the storyline is some weird shit. Yeah. And it's like filmed in a forest somewhere. I watched this movie the other day. I forgot what it was called. Um, But it's basically about two sisters. And one of the sisters um, burned down their house when they were young. And she obviously needs help. Like, she's psychologically, like, off. But she's not really... She's one of those girls... Socially, people want to be around her. But when people are around her, they're like... This girl's a little bit dangerous, but nobody knows that she actually burned down the family house. Right. And the sister is actually at that house, like, doing renovations and fixing it up, planning to move in there with her husband. And the sister shows up because she finds out, oh, my sister's (coughs) fixing the house that I burned. Let me go wreck shit, basically. But she doesn't come off as, like, intentionally... Wanting to wreck shit And the husband's trying to point out To the wife Like your sister's a psycho Right,
1: and right, And right. is causing
0: a ruckus here And he's like this very routine man And he's like a huge alpha male And the girl brings her boyfriend And her boyfriend's a little bit of a softie And then you see these parallels Between how similar the boyfriend is To the sister the That's married
1: Yeah
0: You see like That the wreck Has essentially picked a guy Uh who's nurtured her the same way her sister nurtures her and allows her to get away with everything that she gets away with and the husband who's this alpha male isn't letting either of them get away with anything. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very complex story and it's shot really, really simply. But it's so dynamic because they use the environment, like natural lighting and everything. It's beautiful. it's so poetic to watch and it's such a complex story, it's so weird, it moves really slow but when you have like these you give you give the director you give the actor yeah. and you give the story writer a shot to tell you something, to right. share, share their story you, you gain so much more perspective I feel. Of course, and it's more relatable and like, for example, I
1: remember when I was younger, the first, the first real real Movie from Bollywood that I'd ever ever seen. I was I was twelve years old, and I know this because I was in I was my first trip to India. I was twelve years old and watched the movie in theater. My parents. Yeah, had, hope, I'm sorry, my parents had no clue <clears throat> um, what this movie was about. All we knew is that. Um, remember, uh, what the hell was her name? Urmila? Mm-hmm. right? So she was in a movie called Satya. You've seen it. That was the first time I'd ever seen a movie <laughs> from Bollywood that was so dark and so gritty and was so so focused on real life politics of India. And I remember like, the opening sequence was cops beating the crap out of like gangsters and innocent people. So bad, my sister cried. She was only a year older than me. She was like 13. And my, my even older sister had to walk her out and just hang out in D- Delhi somewhere while we watched the movie because she, she couldn't sit through it. Just the opening sequence. And and that, I mean, if I mean, it's so much more relatable because now you're gonna walk outside and be like, yeah, like this is. I can't say how many American friends I have that watch Bollywood movies, and they assume that everyone lives in this giant mansion with the huge staircase, and everyone's always wearing the best clothes, and everyone's very. And I'm not saying in India, like my cousins all got the pompadours and the high fades and everything, but dude, it we're talking like. Very small percentage of India lives like that, you know, and so it's nice when you can. I mean, with with Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and all these new streams, you can really see more of what India is about. But up until streaming, you didn't get the truth of it, and that's kind of why I started to fade away, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why I haven't seen so much. It's hard to say, like, you know, I don't follow, I don't like Bollywood. It's not true. I don't follow it as much. I pulled away from it when it was, when it was just too much of <clears throat> the same. But, I mean, that movie was rough, man. And it was good. And it was real. I'm a
0: huge fan of Urmela. Yeah. She's like one of my favorites. What is
1: she doing now?
0: I she's still acting on. and she looks amazing. Oh, she was so hot. She's still so I hot. loved her. She just got married recently. Really? Yeah, she's living it up. Her, she's doing the thing. She's good.
1: and Ravina Dundan and Karishma Kapoor. Oh Karishma Kapoor my God, is my favorite.
0: so hot, dude. Karishma Kapoor is my favorite Bollywood actress. Yeah? To this day... And I defend that all the time. Like, people are like, really? But she's not really doing anything. I'm like, she's not doing anything because she's basically done it all.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: She's done comedy. She's, she's like, poor. You, she's she used her hands and everything. She's <clears throat> she's done, like, the challenging roles. She's acted as a Muslim woman. She's acted as a princess. She's yeah. done it all. And she's killed it. Every single time you watch a Kirishma Kapoor movie, you cannot walk away and say, Kirishma sucked in it. You can't. She right. she did what she was supposed to do. She's a star. She's a star. She's everything I would like love to be.
1: I'm like I'm afraid to know what she's like because I like her so much. Like I'm so a great.
0: Oh no! I, I, I heard she's a out. horrible person. I would hate to
1: find that out. I don't. Know. I heard. I, I,
0: like, nah. I heard she's a horrible person. But I was like, uh, if I was Krishnan Kapoor, I would be a horrible <laughs> <ass>. <laughs> Like, come on! I'm Krishnan Kapoor. Did you not see me dance next to Govinda when I was like eighteen? Uh, Govinda was so it. cool. Now he's less cool. cool. I think he was just cool because it was relevant to the times, but, like, now he's, like, very uncle.
1: He's older. But, like, there was a time where he was, like, when, like, jacked men was, like, what Hollywood, what Bollywood wanted. And
0: he came in all chubby and cute.
1: Right, right, because he was the funny guy. I remember him in, like, everything from, like... From he was in Hum, the funny guy, the funny little brother in Hum. And then remember Cooley Number One Mm -hmm.
0: and and Hero Number One is one of my favorite movies. One of those movies that I keep watching.
1: And then, and then for a little while, he got like super jacked to keep up, but that didn't work for him because it just didn't work for him. And then he started hosting some t- Bollywood TV show. Oh, I have to tell you this because you can edit this, but you you got this huge booger hanging in your right now. Why but don't you ever? Talk? I was looking for a time to tell you, and I was like, <laughs> I We're won't talking. edit it out. It's okay. It's and I was like, she can she can remove it if she wants to. But <laughs> she can remove it. If <laughs> she wants to. I don't remember, I mean like. <clears throat> there. Now you
0: want
1: your bone. There you go. Is there? Um, am I in the right person? Yeah, you're in the right spot. Priya, Priya is currently in the bathroom, removing a very large booger from her, from her exceptionally small nose. Oh, and she's now saving the booger in a tissue that she's putting in her pocket. I think she's going to take a later. look at it later. It's a weird. She's a weird.
0: I am so weird. Yes. So continue telling us about St. John's.
1: Oh, I just didn't like it there. Um, it was mainly because, like, I grew up in Long Island where, you know, it, I mean, i Long Island. It's Long Island. You know, it's not it's not hood in, at least in many, many parts of Nassau County, and we don't pretend to be hood, or the ones who do pretend to be hood are just like, shut up. You're like Kanye hood. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. And then I went to St. John's, and there was so many, like, the culture there was just a little more Queens, and, and I... Be like, yo, it's St. John's, dog. Like, we got a laptop when we got here. This place is expensive. It's a private school. There's a church on the ground. Stop acting like your parents are broke and that you sling crack. Cause you. Oh, the- really?
0: That's what you saw when you were at St. John's.
1: I'm not saying that they were like rough. They were rough, but because when but the I was at St. John's, was, I saw a different. whole
0: different side of it. Really? But I think I think that has a lot to do with. I think every school, every um, environment that you work <clears throat> in. Um, Everybody sees different sides of it This is what I've learned So, like, I saw the very princessy Very, like, frat boy side of it
1: Oh, no, I didn't expose that at all
0: Yeah oh. So I saw a very, like Very different thing Like, nobody was hood around me Oh, Everybody, no, and I was there One tired. time, one guy did, like Put both of his hands, like, arms I was, like, leaning against a wall And he put both of his arms against the wall And, like, was in my face And he was like, Yo, ma, you mad fly, and fresh to death <laughs> I still use huh. that line to people. You mad fly and fresh to death. <laughs> I hope it works. I actually made that my Facebook bio. It's like mad fly and fresh to death. <laughs> so ridiculous.
1: That's right, St. John's.
0: I didn't um that's the most hood that I experienced today. Uh, no, not for me. I mean I'm, i guess it wasn't rough.
1: It was just it was just, you know, it was it was it was just honestly it was just a very different culture than I was used to. Um you know, and because I was born in Queens, but I moved to Roslyn when I was five and then stayed in Nassau County from then. So it was just, I don't know, I, I think in I, Queens? I, I analyzed, where, I was born in Flushing.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so I analyzed things a little too much. Um, and while I was there, I was like, well, so you're not a, like, you're, you pay a lot of money to get here or you got a great scholarship, which means you're really smart. So, good Um And even like some of the, the, again, it was only like a semester, but even the, um, like the fraternity guys that I met, like through uh, Sigro. I was like, "You guys aren't hood. You guys aren't gangsters Get out of here!" Like I, I've seen gangsters, isn't it? Between that and the commute and the fact that I wasn't dorming and I didn't even care, and college sucked, I just I pulled out after a semester. They didn't do it for me.
0: What was your I mean, experience like when you moved to Florida?
1: I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, I mean, it was sunny. It was gorgeous. I think half people who live in South Florida are from New York anyway. My boss was from Lovatown, five miles away. It was funny. Um, but I loved it. The culture was very simple. It was very like, um, at least at the time, I haven't even seen that side of town since I was there. But um, it, it, was, it was breezy. It was breezy, and, and everyone wore bikes.
0: You said that your it was on the drive back to New York in which you felt inspired to write the story. Oh
1: no, it was while I was in there. While I was okay. in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. was in the shower.
0: Oh, shower. That's I was it. in the shower. Okay. I don't
1: know how it Great. came. It just happened.
0: That's how. That's what they all say. Got
1: to be naked. That's where it's at.
0: Um, and one of our epi- in one of my previous episodes, CEO, we talked about CEOs and their organization, and how that makes them more creative. And I'm sure you can agree, because you're very organized, and you're like very routine, and you're very like, what's the word that I have a problem saying? Method...
1: I'm just going to wait for you to say no.
0: it. No. Method... Methodone? Method. <laughs> Methodological.
1: Mythological. Me- I'm very me- mythological.
0: No, method... Methodical. Methodical. Yes. <laughs> one. Methodical. Sh- one who works on methods... So you're very methodical. So I'm sure you agree, too. Um, but most CEOs say that they get their best ideas in showers.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's funny.
0: I, almost every person I've met who's highly functioning and cre- and have honed in on their creative side, because I believe everyone is creative, but um, they've all said that their best ideas come in the shower. That's it. Huh. Mm-hmm. It's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Well, God. okay, it's encouraging. You're already doing your thing. It's good. So when you started writing your story, what was that feeling that you had while it was happening?
1: When I was writing that first script? Mm-hmm. It was just excitement. I mean, there's nothing more fun than having a story that, like, you actually, uh, I mean, any writer knows the biggest frustration is, is, is writer's block. It sucks.
0: So what does writer's block feel like for you?
1: Paralysis? Awful. Because you want to sit down and figure it out. And you can't. And so the only thing you can do, or should do, is just sit there and think and talk aloud. You know, um, IT technicians have this way of, because they, they tend to be like nomads, they work, they work alone, they travel alone so there's a technique that one of my friends who's in IT told me that they encourage you to have a stuffed animal you carry around with you and when you can't figure out what the solution is put it down and just talk to it and that's a big thing that writers need to do so when you can't figure out where to take your character and what's going next just put it down and talk to something talk it out loud but it feels like paralysis sucks
0: and how do you get over it? take a shower. <laughs> really? That, that's
1: it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. I talk it out. I talk it out, whether it be to the universe or to myself. Or Annie. I'll call Annie, yeah, actually, yeah. Um, people think I have like, you know, multiple personality or Tourette's when I'm walking around, but I'll, I'll usually call a friend really excited and I got some friends that I call specifically while I'm walking the dog or while I'm making breakfast or dinner or do whatever and the pods are in my ear and I'm like, I got this great idea for a story and I'll start just talking about this story excited and as I'm talking to it, the next part of the story will come. And it's just a matter of, like, it's like your brain is the top of the funnel and your mouth is the bottom of it. You just need to get it to start spiraling so it comes out smoother.
0: My sister and I, I I feel like we have a really interesting relationship. She's very much, like, feeling-based. She goes by how she feels and what feels right. And she's very emotional very sweet. She's, like, one of those ideal... Indian daughters, you know, she cooks well, she does all the things right. She does all the things right, but she's very emotional. Like, she cries at people's weddings, she cries during all the movies. I, know this <laughs> I love it because I'm the opposite. And everybody always says, if you've seen Frozen, I haven't seen It said so there's Anna and Elsa. Oh. And everyone always says that my sister is Anna and I'm Elsa. Yeah. And Elsa's the ice queen. And yeah. she's like responsible and like, don't feel this and don't do this and don't do that and Anna is like I want to build a snowman come on and I'm there like fuck don't talk to me (laughs) (laughs) but I love you but I don't want to do this Um, so sometimes when she can't figure things out she would ask me like what's my method because like that's how I do things I break everything down into small steps Uh and then I figure out what's the most important part of it what do I need to um, maybe not. What's the most important part? But what's going to be the hardest part of everything, right? right? And I figure out how do I master the hardest part, and then once I've mastered the hardest part, I make the rest of it becomes easy and it will fall into place. Um, and one of the things that I told her is, if you are trying to do anything and you don't know how to do it, just grab a funnel. And you just pour all the information into the funnel, and whatever comes out at the end, work with that. That's really what you're told? That's when what say? I... Yeah, really? yeah. That's and, funny. And that's why I keep so many notebooks, because <clears throat> you just write all the things down. Just write all the things down. And when you read it back, you're funneling through mm-hmm. your process. Um it's something that I've always felt, and then when I heard like a motivational speaker say it, I was like, I knew I knew something. Right. I knew I was you doing do- something right. And he, actually, the motivational speaker was talking about dating. Dating is a thing I have a hard time with. Really? Yeah. Surprising. Cause it's not that I don't, I just don't know how to go about it. I'm like really weird about it. Mm. So I started, it's something I couldn't figure out the method Mm to. Because you get so much attention or you don't get enough attention. And then you talk to people or you don't want to talk to people. And then you're like, should I do this? Should I do that? You know, it's just a lot. There's a lot going on in dating. And I couldn't figure it out. So I was like, I need to listen to someone talk about this because <laughs> i can't i can't get a, I can't get a grip i don't know what to do because um, before what i would be doing is just accepting uh, advances from the most on paper eligible person you know whoever's approaching me and whoever's most eligible
1: the five star com profiles
0: Yes. Nice. Yes. Smart boy, good looking, (laughs) parents at home will like him. The right cast. Yeah. (laughs) Right cast, right profession, good family. You know, that's how I was. And like, interesting enough for me to stay engaged. Right. Um, and one thing all of them would say is, "I don't seem interested enough in the beginning." So I, I learned how much attention I need to give them in order for them to, to thrive. Mm-hmm. So, which is not the way it should go. No. You, you should
1: absolutely not.
0: <laughs> you should feel it's these just things awful. <laughs> oh yeah, you should be feeling these things. You shouldn't be figuring it out and accommodating. Uh, so I was like, "What do I do?" I couldn't figure out the method, and I watched all these motivational speakers on dating and romance and love and all of this stuff. And what he said is, start opening your mind to all of the options. Because if you're only taking what comes to you, you're allowing other people to be in control. Mm -hmm. And you need to figure out what you want. So if you want to figure out what you want, Start getting out there, thinking about your ideal, and expose yourself to that ideal. It's a funneling process. Huh,
1: okay. Did you figure that out? Yeah. What do you want?
0: For my partner? Yeah. Someone who's intelligent, someone who's physically active, someone who takes care of themselves, someone who values their health, someone who um, sees their future similarly to mine like where I see myself and um, a lot of people will say that they want the same things as you so you have to be able to like read bullshit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's it's like marketing. I think the dating is just the same as everything else and it all begins with the funneling process. Figure out what you want, where you see yourself and expose yourself to it allow the information to come in and filter through and then choose the parts that speak to you.
1: But now, do you find that since you've discovered what it is that you want, that you're having a better time with the dating process? Yeah,
0: for you sure. Are. Mm-hmm.
1: And is it now harder to um, find someone to go on the date with? Because, I mean, like, when you're it's accepting never hard.
0: It's not hard to find well, someone. because
1: it's, You're finding the same because a lot of people are like, well, you know what you want. You've narrowed down your demographic and now it's fewer by the number. Or, or do you feel like you're? when he said stay open so you know what you want, does that mean you're still open and still taking all the invites and saying let's see what people are about? Mm-hmm. Or you're like, no, you're not what I want, so I'm not going to waste my time.
0: Um, it's <clears> a, l- a little bit of all of that. So that's what I think is so wonderful about dating. I find it very interesting because it could be anything. Sometimes you think that this person is exactly what you would want yeah. and fits exactly into it, and then you go on the date with them.
1: And you're like, uh oh.
0: And you're like, this is It sucks.
1: It just sucks. There's nothing where to put it, but like, wow, what a major disappointment.
0: And it's just like life is. Mm -hmm. Dating is just like life. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. You just gotta you gotta know that sometimes you're gonna be on a date and the date will only last an hour. Sometimes it will only last seven minutes.
1: Well, do you like the actual dating process? Like once the date is commenced? Or there's some people, a lot of people I talk to, like, and this is weird, but a lot of people I talk to hate the act of being on a date. They get nervous, they don't know what to do, high anxiety. Who should lead, who should not lead? What are you gonna order? Are not gonna order? What kind of questions do you ask? or I not ask questions? Do I look okay? Do I not look okay? Do you touch? Do you not touch? So I take your stand? Give him a hug? Give me a kiss? What am I doing?
0: Much like how I do everything in general, even with the podcast, sorry, where. Remember, sorry, remember yeah. yeah. Let's just see where it goes. Wherever it goes, it doesn't need to be so serious. It's just dating. It's just a podcast. It's just a social media post. Like, yeah. it's not really going to change my life so much. It could It could change your life. You could meet the one, and it could make everything crazy. I mean, I went on a date with this guy, and... Um, I've been on a lot of really great dates, not going to lie, especially this year, especially when I figured out what What it is that I wanted. I've been on amazing dates because now I'm being treated the way I want to be treated. Of course. Because I found my demographic. This person understands my wants. He doesn't think it's ridiculous. He thinks he appreciates that I have a standard for myself and that I'm communicating. Some people don't like when a woman communicates how how she expects to be treated. And that's when he gets casted to the wayside. It's like, okay, you don't care that I have a voice? Then fine. Um, I also don't like to plan my dates. I like him to plan the date, and Mm -hmm. I like him to pick me up. Mm -hmm. I like to be treated like a lady. Uh I grew up with my father treating me like a lady, even though I grew up as one of the boys. Like I still got beat, and I still got reprimanded, but he always let me know that there's a way... You should be treated. You get picked up. The door is open for you. All of these little things. Like He always instilled that in me. And so when I'd be going on dates with boys who weren't doing this for me, I was frustrated. Oh, yeah? I was like, I don't meet any good guys. All guys are dumb, blah, 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 blah. But I didn't know what I wanted, and I wasn't communicating what I wanted. So therefore, that's what I was receiving. Um, and then this year, when I figured it out, and I would tell guys, lay out my expectations, Oh. If this is what he wants, then he's going to follow through. Of course, and he's going to see communication. Mm-hmm, he's going to make sure that he does what it takes to make you happy. If that he knows, most guys I think know exactly what they want. Okay, I believe most guys know exactly what they want, and if you're not, we're what, pretty simple. Yeah, and if you're not what they want, and they have the time to kill, they'll kill the time with you.
1: That's a lot. That's guys and girls. A lot of girls will figure out very soon, all right, this isn't going anywhere but this. But i got no one else to hang out with for the next few months.
0: And that's why I think isolation is really important. Absolutely. I think isolation, like just living with yourself and your own ideas and your own... uh, In the process of me figuring out what I wanted, uh, which is also goes hand in hand with the podcast. Because for so many years, I was in the about three years of me developing the podcast has been the three years that I've been single and the three years that I've been off and on about dating. And then I just took a really big step back. Like, I was just like, okay, I need to figure it out. I cannot, in the funneling process, I cannot keep accepting all of this information. I can't just keep filtering everything. I need to really go through the things that have landed in this cup and sort out what works and what doesn't work. And then around the same time that I realized what I wanted for my life and accepted what I wanted for my life is when I realized who's the romantic partner that's going to fit into that, what are the hobbies that are going to fit into that, um, what my family life and family time is going to fit into that, what my friends are going to be like. I started the year with no friends, basically. You know, I lost my best friend. We decided we weren't going to be in communication with each other. Um, I was single. I didn't have my dad. You know, a lot of things in my life were completely different in 2019.
1: The fucking Mercury. Always in retrograde, <laughs> let me tell you.
0: It's in retrograde like every three months. Savage it's fine. It's okay.
1: <laughs> bitch planet.
0: I'm I'm cool with it. I think it's a great thing. It really, like, helps you filter your process. Because if all this bullshit's going to happen again next month, in, what, in three weeks or something like that? Is it really? I don't know. Is it? Yeah, basically. It's going to feel like it's happening again. benefit
1: anyone? Or is Mercury retrograde, like, a universal life sucks? Because I'll be honest, I've had a great year. What
0: I do is when Mercury is in retrograde... Um, I just like to observe these things because it's fun and entertaining. Um, I just observe everything that's going on and everything that goes wrong when it starts to seem similar again. Like when you you feel like, let's say we were on a date, right? And I feel like this date is going down the Mm shithole and it's a mercury and retrograde situation. I take into account that in a couple of weeks, I'm going to kind of come across either exactly you or someone like you. Now, I think about what am I going to communicate in the next situation that will allow me to grow from it? You get it? So am I going if to, if you hit me up again, am I going to really pick up the phone call and be like, all right, well, I'm bored, and he's asking me out on a date, even though the date went, we- went horribly during met- Mercury and retrograde and now shit's back to normal, am I going to do this again? no I'm not because it went wrong and now it's happening again I learned my lesson but I now if, move on. if
1: Mercury wasn't in retrograde and, and it was instead, a shit, like, shit
0: date yeah like if, no if, I, no,
1: no, I, no I mean like if, if, if Mercury was in retrograde you had a shit date and then like two weeks later Mercury's out of retrograde and Jupiter's at retro fitness and Whatever. like but the, then Jupiter that is completely a
0: different thing. Yeah, I
1: didn't, I didn't mean that. it's <laughs> retro fitness. Um, what I mean is if, if Mercury's then out and, and the guy calls you back, would he get a second date considering?
0: No, not anymore. But I had to go through the process of learning that that was what it is. Oh,
1: because you're saying retro, it means nothing. Gotcha.
0: I fully recognize that when merch- Mercury is in <clears throat> retrograde, all the experiences that I'm having in these months are something that's going to repeat itself in a couple of weeks. And do I want to experience this again? Okay. So it just heightens my awareness.
1: Now you mentioned that you have a lot of you've had a lot of great dates this year mm-hmm. or good dates. Why haven't any of them become great dates or great multiple dates or anything more?
0: Uh, a lot of them have become multiple dates. A lot of them. Because um, you're still single, right? Yes, i still, still single. Uh, still on the market, correct? Correct. Doing your thing. I am. Doing the things. <laughs> hint, hint, uh, nudge, nudge fans. <laughs> uh, it's okay, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little bit more than I can handle. Um, they're all, they've all been really great dates. I'm, I'm still in touch with most well, of I, these people. I, I guess,
1: I'm sure. You don't seem like someone doesn't talk to people that you've gone on bad dates with. But what I mean is, like... I mean, why is there no one still there? Why is there no one? Why hasn't developed to more? But what's the what's what's left? Because if the first step was or the next step was to narrow down what it is you want, you did that. Is there something else now you have to do, um, or it's just a numbers game now?
0: I think it. It's still on me. Okay. It's I still have <clears throat> to work out. Um, Myself emotionally. I don't really still fully understand um, how to reciprocate love from pure emotion and not duty. Okay. You know? Um, So I'm going on these great dates now, and I... Beautifully respectable guys treat me amazingly, they do the follow up, they let me know when they're in town we go out, we're friends they give me advice, emotionally supportive and when, I feel like when you start dating people that are exactly what you want, it starts to highlight what is within you that you might be lacking you know because mm-hmm. then you, I think in ge- dating in general when you, if you are Not too attached to your ego, and you go on these dates and you go out and you experience people, you start to see more of yourself because you're connecting with this person on a very different level than you do with your friend. You know, you're connecting with this person like on a soul to soul level, Mm -hmm. and either it clicks or it doesn't click. Now, when there's the click and there's no further click, then you really need to look at yourself like, what am I? not doing where is this what is he not doing where are we not connecting and that's when I realized if I don't get the feeling to do something then I'm not going to do it because in the past I would be like okay well I went on a date with this guy uh, three weeks ago I should follow up he has messaged me so and so amount of times and this is what we should do next and this is how I should be and all of these little things um these shoulds and then I just like let go of that and I'm like yo if I'm not feeling it I'm not feeling it I don't owe this person an explanation I don't even have a problem with people ghosting me like I'm like you're doing me a favor by just like not following up like it's fine go go because like there's other things that could be every time someone takes a step out someone else can take a step in that old saying what is it um they say girls but I say dating everyone's like a buses, someone, they just keep coming. If you stand there and wait, they just keep coming. I've
1: never heard that saying, but
0: it's funny. Yeah. It's actually (laughs) girls are like buses when another one, when one leaves, another one pulls up. You just gotta wait like seven minutes. (laughs) So I'm like, you gotta really look at yourself through the whole process. And I think a lot of people want to point fingers through dating. And they're like, this person did this, and that person did this. I mean, granted, I've been on horrible dates, horrible dates. Most of them have been great. And all of those guys, I'm still in touch with them. The ones that were horrible dates, I've ghosted them. They've ghosted me. And I'm just like, "Eh, there's room for more. We'll just keep them coming. When I'm ready, we'll pick one. Or uh, we won't pick one. Either way, it's fine. Because I put myself in that isolation mode to figure out what it is that I want. And I gave myself a hobby. I gave myself my projects that are passion. Like, passion projects so I feel fulfilled Right. then if things don't work out in dating I'm still okay because my romance is not my project my romance is romance so I'm able to live in the moment I'm able to enjoy what I have in front of me
1: well the average person for the average person being in a relationship being married having kids is a major checkpoint, which if it isn't reached by a certain age, they start to think something's wrong. And for that same average person, being alone is terrifying. I think they said the, the uh, number one fear of everyone, everyone, is just dying alone, or being alone, or living alone, or doing things alone, or going through life alone. I mean... It takes a very uh, well-rounded, or maybe someone who just doesn't want to associate, but one of those two, that type of person to, um, to, to, to be, be okay alone. Especially when we re- the ones who are okay alone, some of them don't even realize you're never really alone. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just not alone. The question is, who do you want to talk to? Um, maybe the issue is you're not looking around for, for the company that's standing right there. You know, and as cheesy as that is, it's like you know you can talk to your friends. You can go on a date any day of the week. You can hang out with your dog. You can just talk to the universe. I mean, you're just never alone. Mm-hmm. You're never really alone. Mm-hmm. And when you feel alone, it usually means that you don't like the company of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's probably what you should work on first. Because, like, you know, they say, like, that old quote, like, you know, you want someone to make you whole or... Two that's some bullshit. It's like, I don't want don't want a half a person. Yeah, that's, I would here.
0: always say that. We'll be whole and we'll, yeah. we'll be two. Yeah, or, like, when guys would tell me, like, oh, my God, you complete me. I'm like, whoa. Yeah.
1: Because
0: if I'm completing you, I know how much holes I got over here. Yeah. That means you're on some weird, weird plane. I'm not joining it. It's yep. not cool. You need to go fix yourself and then come talk to me. And
1: everyone's got problems. Everyone. Everyone's got issues. Everyone's got a dark story somewhere in the pages. It's good. You should have it.
0: It adds depth yeah. and character. You just have to be willing to grow and from it. And
1: sympathy and empathy, which is a lot of the world is starting to forget about. Yep. Um, but you need to learn to accept those things and wear them as like a badge of honor or a battle scar. You know, it's like if you have serious issues, it's great, man. Cool. What do you got?
0: Let's share. Let me see if I'm down with your bullshit. Yeah. Now, if I'm down with your bullshit, are you down with my bullshit? Can we tolerate this that's together? It. it's all a bunch of bullshit.
1: That's it. <laughs> I mean, what else is no the world, right? What else is the world, especially on this side of the world? Oh my god, it's all bullshit.
0: I think it's because we're not in nature enough, to be honest. But then I hear stories about people out in the sticks, and I'm like, well, they got some stuff going on out there too, with meth and hunting squirrels and stuff like that. Have I you seen? <laughs> have you? You've seen Winter's Bone, right?
1: Winter's Bone.
0: Yeah, no. with Jennifer Lawrence. No. Movie changed my life. Oh, was that the one she made before
1: Hunger Games? Before yeah. she was super famous. Mm-hmm. I did not see that. Great movie. I
0: heard about that. Great movie. It changed my life. I was like, wow, people really out there living like this. Hunting squirrels. Living in like trailers. Your dad goes missing. You might find him dead because he OD'd somewhere. And Life's scary, the, Right? And this is out in, who knows, in real America. And I'm like... We're looking at people out in Africa and oh no, and like no, India no, no, and judging it's and so judging, enjoying. and I'm like, look at how the these Americans are mm-hmm. living, cooking,
1: cooking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I used to go to Michigan a lot, a lot, a lot, and I remember. Why um, did
0: you go to Michigan?
1: I, I was I was dating a girl over oh, okay. in Michigan, and we used Ugh. to we used to. <laughs> What's Michigan like? Michigan's gorgeous. I okay. fucking love Michigan. Okay. And I highly suggest checking that place out. Okay. It's, it's great, great state. Um, But when we used to go camping in this little nook called Taquamon Falls to drive up through the UP, the Upper Peninsula, you'd pass those one-horse towns that, like, don't even have a Walmart, don't have McDonald's. Like, you you, you just see it. It's very, um, for someone like us coming from New York, it's very, like... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. And I'm sure oh, it's yeah. safe and
1: fine and whatever, but for us, it's like, don't stop here, don't stop. Here.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly how I feel. I would be like, as soon as they stopped seeing streetlights, I'd be like, okay, okay.
1: Yeah. This yeah. is
0: where things get scary yeah. now, guys. They come and they kill you with their guns. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and there's no fear. They're like, well, just hide his body. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I would just dump it over there yeah, in yeah. that lake. No.
1: And then the sheriff comes and he goes, oh, he killed another one. <laughs> and The funny thing is, it's the North. There's no reason they should have a Southern accent, but it's okay. <laughs> but you get it. You get the story.
0: Um, I remember <clears> I, for the first time I went to Atlanta, I was dating a guy out in Atlanta, and I went to meet his parents. And he's taking me walking through his neighborhood and He by no means lived out in the sticks Like, he lived in, like, southern suburb Really nice neighborhood I think, like, Jay-Z and Beyonce apparently, like, bought a house in that area Yeah, and so everybody got pissed, apparently, when they did that, because they're like, now they're going to raise the value of the houses. And, Why is it a bad thing? And I'm like, that's a good thing, but I understand. because they're, mm-hmm, <clears throat> they're looking at that, and I'm like, well, listen, I'm from New York. We're gentrified every, like, three months. It's okay.
1: Yeah,
0: man. <laughs> There's a different culture every three months. Relax. You'll be all right. Um, so he's taking me walking, and... I was like, Wow, now I know why you don't like scary movies because it's a reality. Like homegirl will be walking home from high school over this creek mm-hmm. and walk into the house, leave her door open, slasher comes in and she like runs out the back door and falls into the creek and she ends up in the woods and he can find her and kill her and drop her right in the same creek in her backyard and that's it. I was like, This is a reality. In Atlanta. Oh. Hmm. Huh. I was like, hmm. Now I get it. Because for me, it was fantasy. Like, right. who has a creek in their backyard that right, right, lives right. across a highway right by her high school? Like, no, that's not real life.
1: Of course <laughs> not. We're not used to that. <laughs> no. We're
0: from like from New York. First time I went to Walmart, I think I was like 21. I walked in and I was like, oh no. And I walked right back out. I, I hate
1: shopping at Walmart. I try and avoid it at all costs. And is that, it's not about the whole political, you know. No, it's not law. political. It's just I like, lawyer, blah, 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 blah. I
0: watch Walmart just fights sucks. on YouTube.